Poor Jobo got bullied today. I don't know what I did to deserve the morning. We came in and just bullied you. Rough morning for Joe. <laughs> yeah, it was three older guys just putting you in the locker. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, now we're trying to be nicer. Now everyone's like, nice jacket, Joe. Sorry for bullying you for half an hour as we got ready for work today. That was a good warm up for us, though. I think everyone's going to be sharp today after, you know, pummeling you for 30 minutes <laughs> outside Everyone's going to be sharp except for Joe. Yeah, oh, no, Joe's sorry, sitting there buddy. like, it's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm even sharper. My nerves are on edge now. No, I'm like, Joe, ready to go. Quick twitch. No, this is the thing, Joe. And Jobo's 22 years old. 23. Hey. 23. <laughs> See, again, yeah. that's a, always the sign. I do that on purpose. 22 and a half. I do that on purpose. He's 23, which, Jobo, you're becoming a man. You're getting old before oh, our very eyes. I know. 23, whoa. <laughs> but this is like when I was younger. My, my brother's five years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And whenever my friends and I would get to my place and he was around, We'd obviously beat on him <laughs> mercilessly. But guess what? My brother became tough, and now he can destroy me. It's not even <laughs> close. It's like I like he can do the, like, fake stutter oh, at me, and I flinch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah. I have to walk around on eggshells in the house. It backfired. The plan backfired. So someday the plan is that you get to this point where all the beatings and all the pummelings, <laughs> they result in you being a whip back, mm. you know, where one day Jobo unleashes and it's basically the final scene of eight mile. Where, Jobo's fury. Yeah. Where, Jobo's fury. Yeah. It's after all the mom's spaghetti, you finally step up on stage and be like, whatever, Clarence. And we're, Oh, <laughs> you get that look like Eminem. We're just staring off. School. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's, it's not going to be good. Yeah. Now's not the time though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not Give there. It a shot. Come yeah, on. Yeah. You tried, but <laughs> I'm not saying a word. Yeah. Not, yeah. Probably not. Okay, so I'm going to rapid fire through a couple of things from last night. I, weirdly busy time. I, a lot of trades, NBA rumors are percolating still, and that's mm-hmm. why we've got Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo, guy who says stuff, which I always appreciate and love. OG leaving clutch. I got Siakam questions that don't necessarily involve the trades. Also trades. <laughs> also <laughs> trades. A little bit of both. Now I don't know if Damian Lillard is officially staying. Was that official? Is this over? Is like that four the beginning? Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then some of the markets for some of the free agents and, and what people are going to end up doing. But okay, last night, NHL awards. And I put it on. Mm, yeah. I think all of us know, right? <laughs> Was not... <laughs> Easy to watch. <laughs> it certainly wasn't. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't the entire time. Like, hey, dynamite! <laughs> what a cast of personalities. Biz really worked his ass off. You got to give Biz credit mm-hmm. for just willing to put himself out there. Thank God for Biz. I I still don't understand why more NHL players haven't grasped that you can do this. But also. This is where I credit Biz, and I, I yeah, I know this sounds like uh, ass kissing, but he, people are always like, put yourself out there, put yourself out there, put yourself out there. There is something innate with that guy. Like he is a special talent. He's able to do these things and just kind of keep taking it on the chin and try bits. Imagine that. Okay, so one of the things in this business that's one of the hardest things you can do is when you're trying to do a bit, you're trying to joke around. It's like improv, mm-hmm. and you're trying to send things over people's way. It's basically should be yes and, right? Mm -hmm. That's what they teach you in an improv class. Yes and, yes and, and there you go. That's how you build the bits. 
Biz is working with people all the time with these hockey players that come sit at the podium where he goes, hey, Connor Breyer, do a yeehaw. And he's like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> he's just working with guys who will never yes and him. So, yeah, tough. Um, I didn't know who anyone past Jelly Roll was except for Nate Bargatze. That was pretty mm -hmm. cool that they got Nate. Yeah. And then he cool. yeah, tried to do a couple of bits, and I went, all right, don't make him do hockey bits. <laughs> he got he had Gary Bettman there participating in some of the jokes. I don't really know Jelly Roll, I got to say. He's just popped up a lot in my recent life. Austin was Austin's a huge, huge fan, fan, apparently. Austin was losing his mind in the group chat <laughs> that Jelly Roll huge was there. Like, Whoa, Jelly Roll. But then they went from Jelly Roll to people with like 100,000 Twitter. The one guy, Kid G or whatever, I went, all right. <laughs> we had to do better than this. We had to do better. Uh, and then I thought Dirk Bentley did really well. That guy mm -hmm. is just a bona fide star, right? Like that guy yeah. is the man. There's no question about it. He just suffered through same thing. Bad joke yeah. after bad joke that was written for him. And he just powered through it. I, he was I, trying. Yeah, he was I trying. enjoyed him immensely. Um, but some real thoughts from the awards. Two things. Number one, Carlson wins the Norris. And it's just a little frustrating knowing that you've got a guy who was the best defenseman in the NHL last year. Um and whatever, I'm just, uh, best offensive defenseman. Fine, I don't want to hear anybody push back on any of this. Best offensive defenseman in the NHL who, yeah, like has had some injury risks and who hasn't obviously had the perfect last run of years, who does come with a lot of risk. He's 33, which is fairly old for a hockey player. You'd think that maybe a, a year or two more, at this level, before you start to see meaningful decline, maybe not. Maybe he does last longer. Other guys have done it, right? Like Nick Lidstrom lasted a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Some of the special guys have a tendency to stick around, even in a league that's so important about with skating. But Carlson's demanded this trade request. And I, I think it's really hard to be overly sympathetic for him because he took such a big bag of money from the San Jose Sharks. It's not exactly the most winning organization. And they were definitely at a, a inflection point in the franchise when he did sign yeah, there, right? For sure. And so I don't think anybody weeps for superstars that take the massive bag with the most amount of uh, – the most money possible – and then when they ask out, we're like, get him out of there. Get him out of San Jose. No one's feeling. <laughs> he's not a lifer in San Jose, right? Yeah. He hasn't been giving his entire career to that place. They didn't. He didn't take some type of a haircut. Those are the guys that we feel sorry for, right? Mm -hmm. We feel sorry for the Roy Hallidays of the world where we go, man, he grinded it out with the Blue Jays year after year after year, and they just could not put a contender on him. Fine. Get him out of there. Yeah. Let him go to the Phillies. Let him try to win. Mm -hmm. But... It's kind of an annoying state of your league if the guy who wins the best defenseman award is borderline unmovable, like has wanted <laughs> to trade for now six months. Mm -hmm. And what do we have in terms of rumors? I read an article the other day that was like possible landing spots for Carlson. And I went, oh, okay, interesting. And the whole article is like, yeah, but no. Yeah, but also this couldn't work. This, this. won't happen <laughs> and they won't do this. And I'm just thinking that that's a real tough thing for the NHL with the hard cap. And I know we talk about it at the deadline, mm -hmm. but it's also one of the frustrating things about right now as we're heading into this week for the Toronto Maple Leafs is it's just really hard to make star player trades in this league. It's hard to move guys with heavy cap numbers. 
And it's especially hard even if you're some of these places and you're deciding to absorb some of the cap hit without insanely high return on that. Yeah. And so I just felt a little frustrated. We should be able to watch Eric Carlson not finish his career with the San Jose Sharks, hoping and praying that some place doesn't end up stealing him eventually because it gets to the point finally where San Jose goes, yeah, whatever, we'll eat the money and just give us a bunch of prospects and we'll try to reboot this thing. Yeah. Two, we need more McDavid. Um, he was one of the only guys that actually interacted with Biz well. Mm-hmm. He he just has a bit of personality with him. He's clearly yeah. he's clearly a hockey guy. There's no doubt about it, right? Like he the forced laughter stuff he <laughs> struggles with. Like Nate Bargatze, a professional comedian, is making fun of him, and you can just see he's in the torture chamber, going, "Ah, oh, God, <laughs> don't involve me in this. Pick anyone but me for this." But you know he's not afraid to say stuff when things are happening. Yeah. And it, it, it's still beyond me a little bit how the NHL hasn't figured out a better way to market him or to put him forward-facing. And, yeah, like he's got a couple of commercials now. Great. And everyone loves the Oilers and thinks that they're phenomenal. And, yeah, McDavid had a pretty decent speech that I caught half of at least. I went, oh, right, I have to turn mute back off for a second here and watch – McDavid speak, and he talked about how Edmonton is a destination. I went, yeah, because you're there. Mm-hmm. So people want to play with you because you're the best player on the planet. Anyways, we need more of him. Other hockey news. Now the Nylander talk has really kicked off. Twitter, hockey Twitter, Leafs Twitter is hev- heavily debating how much money William Nylander should get based on reports that he wants something around $9 bucks a season. Okay. To be honest, Nylander, if he's asking for nine million bucks, that's the that's the best case scenario if you're a Leafs fan. He's not trying to take them up over to ten after a career season, after a year where he could actually put a little leverage in and say, uh, "I was one of the only guys in the playoffs that actually managed against the Panthers to step up, show out, and impose myself on some of these games." My I would say Nylander's Q rating amongst Leaf fans right now is probably higher than it's ever been before. There's still those that remain a little frustrated with him. There's still, I think, an uneasiness about paying him a huge contract because of the way he plays and the way that he can disappear at times. There's just no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. I I think that's part of the William Nylander business is that you're always going to have times where, yeah, he leaves you wanting more because of the fact that he's a physical freak with all the talent in the world and the pedigree and all these different things, right? But if he's asking for around nine, that means you settle somewhere with an eight number and it's more than eight, five. Great. Mm-hmm. You can get Nylander done on a deal like that. I think that you're, you're pleased as punched if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm definitely doing that deal. My only thing is I'd rather see him go after Matthews and I'd rather see him on also a shorter term deal. But yeah, it makes more sense. If you're not, you got to be doing both things at once, right? If you're tree living, you're shopping them around. You're having discussions around the league. You're talking tonight on draft night. You're seeing what other teams will offer you. And you're making sure that there isn't something that you think can drastically improve your club, an offer that you cannot refuse because the deal has never been just trade these guys for the sake of trading guys. It's always been, how do you materially improve your hockey team? And if there's nothing out there, then you don't end up doing it. You kick the can down the line. But that's the thing. All of a sudden having Nylander on a seven year deal, that's eight point, let's say $8 million. Um, he's going to be just as valuable come deadline time or the year after the problem is, is if you end up capitulating on a no move and put yourself in a position where he has a lot of leverage, which is likely for a player of his ilk. 
yeah. likely for a player like him who has been performing the way that he has. But still, to me, Tree Living can't repeat the mistakes of the past. He's got to get Matthews done first. Matthews needs to get done first, and Matthews needs to be the one that actually says, I've got the priority of taking less like we talked about yesterday with Bourne, where he does not take the $14 million contract over four years, where he takes anything less than 13, five, right? 13, five is somewhere 13. Yeah. If you could do the 13.4, so there's a 34 for you, all cute like that. That's kind of the max. <laughs> that's kind of the max, bro. So that you're sending the message down to the rest of the team that you are, the, uh, that you're hoping that something is going to change with the organization. That you're hoping that the mentality is not, hey, it's us four guys trying to get as much as possible and we'll figure out the rest around us. It'll be easy. It'll be fine. I, I really, really think that that's still the most important thing this offseason. But it just, it still does feel like Nylander is the most likely to be traded out of all the guys. Anyway, we'll get some of this stuff over the next couple of days because NHL trades are happening. Uh, feels like a little bit of a lull in NBA trade time. We had all the buildup for the draft. Draft wasn't as sexy as I hoped, right? Watching money get moved around, Rashawn Holmes, I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> $22 million. Of, was it $22 million for Bertens? Uh, yeah, something there's like a that. Lot of, oh, there's yeah. a lot of money to move back two picks for the, you know, once. Our boy. Yeah, the, the Latvian miracle. It was, was it t- <laughs> tough, tough. Hey, I, th- I still think he can shoot. Tough when you're the bad contract. Uh, <laughs> Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo. Um, good morning. Thanks for doing this, man. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me. I'm good, dude. Um, so, yeah, we're quickly approaching. Friday, I think, is the time where we get to see the – the NBA is weird, right? We get the now you can sign with a team, but it's not official for a few days thing, but we open up on Friday. I'm going to start with a few little Raptors pieces before we move into some greater NBA stuff because yesterday it comes down that OG Ananobi is leaving Clutch Sports, which feels a little odd considering Clutch's power in the league. What, what does this mean, if anything, to you? I want to use my words carefully because I know that uh, the Raptors fan base and uh, Twitter army has been very sensitive about my OGM reporting lately. Um, but I'll say, like, he's definitely been taking meetings with other representation for several weeks now. Um, and, I, and I've seen in those conversations with potential new representation has been how to play his situation in that he's got – you know, a contract expiring next summer. He is extension eligible, and the new rules now allow you to get a little bit more money than previously. Um, but at the same time, with all this looming, you know, potential of Wilfred Van Bleet stay or go, Pascal Siakam's name back up in trade talks. Like, for OJ and Nobody to stick around in Toronto and be content and happy, he still does want a bigger role than has been provided to him on offense in past seasons. So from my understanding, he kind of has been like seeking counsel from other areas outside of clutch sports to figure out exactly how to navigate his position moving forward. I don't know what his conclusion is yet. I don't believe I haven't heard. He's actually like, or I haven't heard which agency he's pinpointed. So that could suggest also like what pathway he'll choose. But that's really all I have to kind of provide some context there. Well, one, don't worry about Raptors Twitter, all right? There's nothing you can do. There's <laughs> nothing any of us can do other than right. unless you tweet right. the Raptors of the uh, Raptors of the GOAT, that's it. That's the only tweet that works that people are like, yes, thank you for this. We will not push back at all. Or 
actually, this is a good one for you if you ever want to ingratiate yourself. Just say the Raptors don't get enough respect as an organization, and then you'll basically get, I would say, at least a couple of weeks of reprieve from angry Raptors Twitter. Um, the, 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 it's interesting, though, because, you know, you leave your management. That is usually a sign of, hey, I'm, I'm not happy with things. And you go, okay, you're not happy with things you're here in Toronto and we've heard that for a while now. Like this is nothing new. I remember talking to Windhorst like a full year ago where he was talking about the initial round of Portland rumors, right? What ended up being the shade and sharp pick of, Hey, listen, Mm -hmm. he might, he wants more. He wants a greater role. And at some point, if you're in this whole mix of, Hey, run it all back, bring everybody back. And now you're adding a first round pick and Grady Dick, who you would assume is going to be someone that plays right away. Like it, it does come down to more than just the money. It does come down to the role. And we've been sort of sold this idea that OG Ananobi really cares about Toronto or that, you know, he Masai, that there's some kind of connection with these two. But if we, if we do see a scenario where Fred Van Vliet resigns, do you think that makes it more likely he stays or more likely that he's actually one of the guys that they start to shop? Cause they have to move money and they also have to satisfy the rest of the parties with yeah, the touches. So entering draft week, the word around the league, and this is from you know rival teams getting the impression after all their after all the Raptors trade conversations, team after team was telling me that the Raptors were at least giving off the impression that Pascal was the player they were hoping to move the most, um, and the Hawks were the one team that I really was hearing consistently. Um, you know there were some whispers about the Rockets, but I think that stuff might have faded after James Harden's potential reunion has seemed to save there too. Um, and, you know, the word there has also been that Siakam, you know, him facing a potential lucrative extension here this summer, he doesn't really have a, a big appetite to move elsewhere either. So there's been some, some back channel signaling going on about whether or not he'd be willing to sign an extension in certain places. Um, so, I think with all that being said, to your point, like if one or Fred or Pascal isn't out of the Raptors equation, this is just me connecting all the dots. I don't want to speak for OG on directly here, but I would be surprised if both those guys are back that with the addition of Grady Dick, like you're saying, um, and you know, there still continues to be the thought that the Raptors want to move Scotty Barnes into more and more ball handling opportunities similar to Siakam has had over the past couple of seasons. It would be difficult to see Ojean Nobi back in Toronto with like a huge smile on his face about being, you know, the fourth banana again to Scotty mm-hmm. and Fred and Pascal. So yeah, I, I do think those are connected to some degree. I don't, again, it's early uh, Tuesday before free agency starting Friday is like an eternity. So a lot can happen here. Mm-hmm. I don't really know exactly how it will all play out, but the likelihood right now of one of those guys heading out the door at this juncture, it would seem like Fred Van Vliet to Houston is probably the strongest possibility uh, of either of those two guys leaving the Raptors. Well, yeah, Houston just has an insane amount of cap space and to the point where they're just linked to everybody, right? Like, uh, it's just a, a, you know where anyone could land? Houston, because they have all this cap. Yeah. Uh, so James Harden doesn't look like it's going to happen. That puts probably, is, is Fred Van Vliet Houston's number one target? I believe so. I think they've got, like, a tiered ranking system where Austin Reeves is involved. And um, I, I, have, I don't really think Kyrie Irving is necessarily in play for them. Mm-hmm. But Aust- Austin Reeves, Fred Van Vliet, 
Um, I've heard a bit of D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent. I could see being an option for them as well. If Fred does leave for Houston, um, is it because a number just happens that Toronto can't match or is it because, you know, he's looking for a new opportunity? Like where are you at in terms of what Fred's priorities are in free agency? I think money is going to be a massive factor for him in that undrafted guy who you know has made a hell of a living for himself. But you go back to go to entering the league as an older player on a rookie minimum type contract, his earning potential has been dramatically lower than what it would have been if he was a first round pick on, you know, a hot premium route to get a big second contract off these rookie scale deals. Um, like, you know, I mean, just name any single guy, right? Like Cam Johnson's about to get a four-year, $100 million deal at like a minimum, it sounds like. That's something that, you know, Fred couldn't get to his third contract. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think, you know, it's been pretty clearly characterized to me, dating back to when he had his old representation at Parlay before he left to join Clutch, that he wants to be compensated like one of the best point guards in the league. And looking at Jalen Brunson sign a massive hundred million dollar deal wasn't exactly an easy pill to swallow last year. So I do think, you know, if he can get to Houston on like a two year max or a one plus one where he can just cash in, you know, a huge payday and then potentially get back out into the market next year or in two years, be up for another big deal before he's exited his prime, that does seem like a pretty plausible scenario for him. Yeah, it just makes it seem harder and harder for Toronto for a lot of the reasons that we've been kind of talking about, which is they they do have a bit of a roster imbalance in terms of trying to figure out who's going to end up being, yeah, the end-of-game guy or who's going to be where on the hierarchy. They've got their own tax situation that they're going to have to worry about. And yeah, with taxes, um, I hate to be so cliche with this, but yeah, it's going to be hard to match Houston given that they have so much money, but also a tax rate that's far more competitive than Toronto's. Like if this is all about money for him, or at least in, you know, as the main portion of this, I just, it it makes it harder and harder for me to understand what Toronto's offer to Fred Van Vliet is going to be that's going to make sense for him. Do you think Toronto would do a similar thing though, like that you're outlining, which is, hey, you get the one plus one or the two-year big max contract but not go on term? Or do you think that the Raptors would want to have him locked into a longer deal? So I do think there's absolutely still opportunity for him to stick around. And someone familiar with Fred's thinking told me that as much yesterday. Um, the, the number that, I mean, it's been written in other outlets as well that I keep hearing that the Raptors know they're going to have to surpass is 390. So are we looking at, you know, 3120? That'd be, to to your point about getting that number, I feel like that might be a little rich for Toronto's blood. I I don't know the the cap that they're willing to go, but I think that the the Raptors from all accounts are very much on the understanding they're going to have to exceed $30 million and never get any value to keep Fred around. Uh, Yeah, for those who, uh, quick math, 3120 is 40 a year. Um, (laughs) That's... That's a lot for Fred VanVleet. That's that's going to be met with uh, some interesting opinions, I would say, if it gets into that number. Okay, so if Fred does leave, yeah. if if he does leave, 
it puts Toronto in a weird position where like they're, they don't have a ton of salary cap space, but also they desperately need a point guard. Even if they do try to sell Scotty Barnes as the guy is, is there a name out there that you think that they're linked to? Like D'Angelo Russell is working out in Toronto, which is a bit of an oddity. I haven't been able to figure out as to why he's doing that, but yeah. Do you read anything into a situation like that? Or are there any point guards you think Toronto would target if uh, he does end up leaving? I don't read into where guys work out. Like there's, I forget who the player is off the top of my head, but there was, there's someone working out in Cleveland right now, like at the Cavs facilities. He's not a Cavs player, but just cause like he's a local guy. It might be Larry Nance off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Just to say like, you know, f- local Philly guys go work out at the Sixers Packers facility. Mm-hmm. There's no local ties to, to, to deal in Toronto. So to your point, I don't really know what's happening there, but I wouldn't necessarily read into it. I think, you know, other targets for the Raptors, I, I mean, right now, the large majority of Raptors' conversation has been, what are they going to do about re- retaining Fred? Um, and if they do lose him, will there be some potential sign-and-trade opportunity um, mm-hmm. to get him somewhere outside of Houston? Because any other suitor, pretty much, you know, the Orlando stuff, I think, has pretty much died out, even though I do think there was real possibilities there at a point in time. But then Markel Fultz had a good year. Cole Anthony's had a good year. They draft another point guard, Anthony Black. To get into the Lakers or another winning situation, they're going to have to find a sign and trade. Maybe that is D'Lo trying to be in the radar and show himself and say, I, I would be in Toronto, take me back in a sign and trade type thing. I don't know. Mm. Um, the, other, the, other, the other conversation about the Raptors, though, has just been about Jakob Pertl and – Look, when you give up a first-round pick for someone at the trade deadline as their expiring contract, usually you have an idea of the ballpark range salary that they're looking to uh, to achieve there. I had heard some rumblings that maybe that wasn't as obvious of a reunion or a, as a return as it seemed on, on paper. But as we get closer this week, it does seem like Perla will be back somewhere around $20 million. And that's been the, his asking price pretty much all year that was floated around to potential teams that were going to trade for him. Yeah. So what we're talking about right now is potentially $60 million a year for Fred Van Vliet and Jakob Pertl. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think, I don't, to be clear, I don't think the Raptors are going to go up that no, high. No, I think yeah. that's, you know, the upward ballpark. But, you know, no, that's the, this is done today deal, right? Yeah. Like that's the think, hey we're the, the negotiation is over we're floating you forty million dollars a season Fred and he's like yep don't worry I'm here there's no more flirting with any other place I'm a Toronto Raptor I'm a very happy Toronto Raptor either way do you do you feel like yeah at least the so Pirtle Raptors feel like heavy favorites and they just they have to be like the the optics of losing a first and then having Pirtle uh, walk uh, like some people we had on the show last week talking about his potential to go back to San Antonio with Mark Stein and I went I don't think that there could be any more embarrassing than that happening to Toronto. Uh, San Antonio winning the lottery in a year where people wish that they tanked, getting a first-round pick from the Raptors and then signing Pirtle. It almost gets the Kawhi trade done. It's like that's nothing happened between these two organizations. But do you view the Fred thing then as just pretty much, hey, it's down to Houston and Toronto? That is probably an oversimplification, but yeah, in my mind, those are the only real options. I'm, I'm connecting for him on the board right now. So... The other part of it that you mentioned is the Siakam stuff. And yeah, you have, you've had him linked to Atlanta. Do you think that the John Collins trade, which finally happens after years and years and years of speculation, <laughs> does that make a Hawk Siakam trade more or less likely? You know, it's hard to piece together because the Hawks are doing and 
talking about so many different things that a lot of them are counterintuitive to each other. And that's not to say that the Hawks are all over the place and they're not doing a good job. I just think they have a lot of different balls in the air um, that it's kind of hard to draw a straight line through what they're trying to achieve. And at this point, it does seem like DeJounte Murray is more than likely headed back to the Hawks on an extension. Moving Collins' money will give them both playing time for Sadiq Ben and Yeka Conlou, but also the opportunity to come to extensions with those guys. And DeJounte was, I don't know what the Raptors' interest in him was, but he was at least the name that I believe was involved in trade talks for Siakam with Toronto. Um, but all indications are that Siakam has at least with the Hawks and maybe even around the league indicated he's not really thrilled about mm-hmm. signing an extension outside of Toronto. So I don't know what the viability of him being dealt to Atlanta really is because of that. And also with all these cost-saving moves that the Hawks are considering with moving DeAndre Hunter potentially to Indiana or Detroit or just like they did with John Collins, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense to go trade for someone who's past 30 or, you know, exiting his prime, who's going to be commanding a max contract over $40 million. They got this big trade exception out of the Collins deal, but bringing on Siakam just doesn't seem to mesh with the other things on their board right now. Yeah. Um, the only thing about Siakam making it essentially public that he wants to sign in Toronto, which again, makes sense. He's, lives here, he makes, a, he makes a ton of money here. I know that there's a lot of Raptors fans still going, this is so refreshing, and finally someone wants to be here. I'm like, well, other guys did want to be here. DeRozan want to be here. This isn't completely unprecedented. But, yeah, he gets more money if he's here too. But how could this not affect his position from a leverage standpoint with the Raptors? Like, if he's saying he's not willing to go somewhere else because he really wants to sign the extension here, like, yeah, how, how, does, that, how does that not affect his, his leverage when it comes to an extension? I see your point. I mean, a lot of the logic that teams and players and representation use at this time of year is something I can't explain. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying they're, they're handling this the wrong way, um, but everyone's got their own motivations. Everyone's got their own finger on the pulse. And sometimes they know things that we don't like, Oh, well, if we just continue to do this, then this will happen here and that'll happen there. So I never try to really explain or like dissect the calculus of what certain you know positionings are in terms of leverage and negotiating stuff because I've never actually been in a room right where we're trying to talk dollars and cents or trying to make a deal happen and you know we don't always know all the options that are on the board so I always try to kind of reserve judgment in those scenarios. Okay, so are we done with Damian Lillard stuff? Is is it resolved now after? He and uh, Joe Cronin met, and the statement goes, I met with Dame and Aaron Goodwin this afternoon. We had a great dialogue. We remain committed to building a winner around Dame, end quote. Are we done? We're not done, done, but I'll tell you, like, the way the Raptors, or the Blazers, excuse me, are handling the Dame situation is very similar, even though they're very different in that Dame has not requested a trade yet. But it's really analogous to how the Nets handled uh, Kevin Durant's trade request about an hour before free agency dropped last year mm. where Brooklyn kind of looked around and said, look, dude, you're on a four-year contract. Like, we don't have to trade you. We're going to keep making moves. We're going to try to build out a contender around you, keep you happy, and we'll hope you'll 
you know, change your mind, which is what Durant ended up doing. And they kept him around for like six more months before Kyrie's contract thing kind of blew that whole thing up. And then they end up tearing apart their team at the deadline. You know, the, the, the Blazers are going to approach. I think this is exactly what they told Dame in that meeting. This is what they've kind of been projecting around the league, dating back to the, you know, pre-draft stuff that like, even if they didn't trade the number three pick, you know, they have plans to re-sign Jeremy Grant and, there's other moves they're going to try to make in the in free agency, whether that's, you know, with trade or what other sign and trade creativity that they can come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're looking at this as like a, you know, a multi-week window to try to show Dame that they can build a team around and that can compete for a championship. But does that mean come July 15th when summer league's winding down and I'm flying home ready for a vacation that mm-hmm. he could re- request out or Portland could decide we got to move him just like Utah all of a sudden like reversed course on Donovan Mitchell last year. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely prepared for that scenario mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, obviously he's not, um, you say infinitely more important player than Jordan Poole. But uh, yeah, we did get that quote from Don Levy a couple of days ago where he was, like, yeah, he's very important. We plan for him to be here to the end of the contract. And then, yeah, he's dealt what 24 hours later. 48 hours later, somewhere in that ballpark. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really want to be doing the Dame rumors all summer if there is really a desire to keep him there. It's just it's really hard to see um, what you mentioned there, which is how they build this winner around him, how things materially change unless they're willing to move off of some of those young guys, which, yeah, I don't really see that happening either. Okay, so um, a guy that I can't stop thinking about because he's Canadian and he's uh, wild card is Dylan Brooks. Because what? Yeah. Okay, he's he's clearly he's clearly at least good, right? Can we just say he's decent? He's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yes, like, and it feels like he's probably is. Is he going to go under market value? Is someone going to get a bargain on him? What is Dylan Brooks's value to you right now? No, by all accounts, he's very likely going to be headed to Houston. I don't know value in terms. Yeah, I yeah. don't know, but he, but him, Fred VanVleet, and Brooke Lopez. Through all the noise, those have been the most consistent names, and it's also been communicated to me pretty clearly that the Rockets are looking at. They want one point guard, they want one veteran point guard, they want one veteran wing player, and they want one veteran center. So those seem to be like across the board the top three choices, um, or their top choices at those three spots. So with Brooks, I mean, Detroit was supposed to be a potential opportunity for him. I don't see that anymore they're getting linked to cam johnson draymond green and deandre hunter and i mean the board right now for agency is kind of crowded not just houston like there's all that's kind of my story that should be coming out in the next hour or so the yahoo's kind of going to touch on that but there's all these ripple effects and domino effects just like every summer but you know the pacers can't bring in every single power forward to their starting lineup too you know mm-hmm. so to bring it back to brooks houston does seem like the, the place for him the value of him to your question, I, I would expect he gets somewhere around $15 million in average annual salary, mm. like give or take a couple million. Um, but I, I really don't have as a clear of an answer on that number figure as like with Fred, I've been told pretty unequivocally for him to go there. It's going to take the full, you know, two year, $80 million max. Mm. It's interesting with Brooke Lopez because yeah, I, I understand why Houston would want him if they're trying to, you know, vaunt into being a winner and, he was amazing last season, but yeah, he's 35 years old 
And I, at, at least it, when Milwaukee lost to me, I kept thinking, okay, well, they're probably going to be able to run this back, and that's the only thing that they're going to end up doing. And now all of a sudden, you know, maybe he departs. Um, Chris Middleton, obviously a free agent. They got Joe Ingles, who's a free agent. What's what's going to happen here in Milwaukee? Like, how many of these guys are they going to be able to retain, and and how do they pivot? Because yeah, they still have Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I would imagine that they they don't feel as though they have a winner around him if they end up losing a couple of those pieces. Yeah, I do need to make a couple more calls on the Bucks ancillary guys because I've heard. I had heard nothing about Jay Crowder, for example, and then you know yesterday there was a couple of oh Jay Crowder could go here, Jay Crowder could go there. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, but with, with the big ticket numbers, the big ticket guys like Chris Middleton, I do expect to go back. Brooke, I think, is a little bit more of a question of he does seem to be t- being tugged and pulled in both directions of Portland, uh, or sorry, of uh, of Houston. Um, and sticking around in Milwaukee and the numbers with him and and the contract details with him are kind of similar. I I expect he'll end up being uh, thrown like another two year balloon contract from Houston. That that seems to be their plan, like to give these kind of massive short-term balloon numbers that can make a player's eyes bulge and potentially, you know, have the rival team that's trying to uh, retain or sign that player kind of balk at that number figure. Is there a team this week as we like, right before we actually head into this, that you think has an added amount of pressure to make something happen that you're really watching when it comes to the trade market? Added amount of pressure. I mean, the pressure I think is on, any team that fell short that thinks they still have a shot in this wide open league. So, I mean, do the Sixers have something creative up their sleeve to add a little bit more to this group, not just bringing back James Harden. I mean, there's certainly their fan base and that whole city is very eager to see something happen after the team did not acquire a draft pick and just signed a couple of two way guys. I mean, Miami, I think they're in a, interesting spot being that they obviously overachieved by incredible, you know, accounts to make the finals out of the play-in tournament. Um, they're the Damian Lillard, you know, destination, but like, what if Dame doesn't request out? What if the Heat just end up having to look back at, you know, this off season and their biggest decisions are re-signing Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, which could become very difficult um, depending on what those guys can elicit elsewhere. And it'd be, I don't know, it'd be, t- it'd be a tough look for the Heat to make this finals run, have all this momentum, think they could get Damian Lillard, and then they don't get Dame and lose one of those two key starters for their finals run. That, that'd be a tough pill to swallow, I think. Yeah, that was, Miami was one of the three for me. I just looked at them and said, them and Sacramento, it feels like you, you got to do something, right? Like, you're going to have to shake something up one way or another. I don't think the Kings have, like, pressure, though, because the Kings are playing with house money, man. Like, they made the playoffs for the first time and you know, almost two decades, they're going to have $25 million in space. I think they are going to be a big player here. I don't know exactly who their target is. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave a tease in that there's a couple of options I'm going to list in my next story that comes out today. Um, but th- after renegotiating and extending Demonis Sabonis, they're going to have upwards of $25 million still to make a play. So could that be, you know, a, a massive marquee guy here in this, summer like potentially so they're going to have just as good a chance as any good team to really improve here uh read jake's latest today 
It's going to go up. Yahoo, uh, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports, Jake Fisher. Always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on today. You got it. Thanks for having me. Take care. There goes Jake Fisher. Okay, so a couple quick things off of what he had to say. One, we've been here the OG smoke now for quite some time. Yeah. I think that we can safely say the guy wants more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My only thing to him would be if, if I'm the Raptors, I'm going, look, look at some of these offers you're getting. Like, I don't want to involve you personally with maybe some of this, but let's just say some of the rumors out there that you're worth three first round picks plus a prospect plus the, like the OG offerings seem to be massive for him mm-hmm. on only a one year deal. So these places want to already pay him. They want to make sure that gets done. So you go, obviously your value has not been drastically affected by the fact that a, you know, you've been hurt throughout your career. Mm-hmm. Yep. And B is that as much as we have given you an opportunity to do more like, yeah, it, some of his isolation stuff hasn't exactly improved, but the role that he's been in so far with the Raptors has not materially changed his value around the league. Mm-hmm. And he deserves a lot of credit for that because, you know, he's arguably the best, most impactful defensive player in the NBA. I actually think that he is. Like, I made this point last year when it was uh, Depoy. Yeah, fine, whatever. It's a team award. And, mm-hmm. But the idea that Brooke Lopez has more impact defensively than OG Ananobi in a basketball game is outrageous. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care what stats you show me about rim protection. Getting to hang out behind Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah, and Drew Holiday over and over in drop coverage. Yeah, like, okay. I'm pretty sure OG Farming could do that. in the paint. <laughs> yeah. The East all of a sudden does change pretty drastically, though, with the Giannis stuff, the... The Milwaukee stuff? Well, yeah, just the idea that, like, Jay Crowder could leave and Ingles could leave and they don't have... It's not exactly the free yeah. agent destination of choice. Not exactly a place where they have a lot of assets or money to change their team up. Mm-hmm. They kind of need Chris Middleton to go back, and he sort of look washed. For sure. Well, and if Lopez goes, like, I mean, that yeah. changes that entire... Massively. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Massively. He... I, I almost said he was huge for them last year. It's like, yeah, he was. <laughs> the seven-footer who can score, hit threes, space the floor, and then also blocks... Uh, and protects the rim yeah. better than just about anybody in the NBA. Yeah, it's a pretty important player to have. But just if you're the Raptors and you're trying to talk yourself into this whole run it back thing, the surroundings have to matter to you to some degree. You have to go, hey, Boston just brought in Chris Haps Porzingis. Yeah. They have him and Robert Williams. Those two guys are made of paper mache. <laughs> they, it's, it could rain one day and they lose both guys. <laughs> Jalen Brown is what one cold streak away from <laughs> wanting a trade request back, back uh, yeah. to Atlanta. <laughs> Just if you're the Raptors, you're kind of going with that. You're saying, Hey, uh, Miami, they might not get Damian Lillard. They yeah. may have struck out and last year might've been a fluke. And now you look at the Milwaukee bucks and they've taken a step back. I'm not saying I agree with this logic. I don't think that the Raptors are suddenly going to be a title contender. And although, again, they do, if they keep OG, maybe that's what they're thinking is he's the best Jokic <laughs> defender in the NBA. They go, we just get there with OG. We're in this thing, baby. Actually, you know what? I talk myself into Raptors contenders. <laughs> you wow. just heard it, everyone. Live on air, JD yeah. just talked himself They're contenders. The, the, East, the East stinks bad. <laughs> Who cares if Fred wants $40 million? No, but again, I, Jake, that's pretty clear there. I don't think that you should get confused is... He wants $40 million from the Houston Rockets to go there. Yes. He's saying, I want $40 million untaxed. And if they are willing to go there on a two-year contract, it makes it impossible for the Raptors. Yeah. Yeah. 
They can't match it. No. They can't match what Houston has to offer at the very top. We have taxes here. The taxes. You got to pay the taxes. And it's just non-sustainable for the Toronto Raptors to pay Fred VanVleet $40 million. The interesting one still, too, secondarily, remains the stuff with Jakob Pertl because, okay, clearly he's coming back. But it's hilarious the position they put themselves in with him. Bizarre. He's, he's obviously going to command good money around the NBA. I don't know. Maybe it was risky to let him stay in San Antonio, even if you were going to try to poach him, considering they've got Wembenyama. They would have had all the cap space they have, maybe more incentive to keep him, offer him more money. But man, oh man, oh man, the idea that you traded a first-round pick for him, it resulted in nothing... And yeah. then you are over a barrel in negotiations as any offer he gets floated his way. He goes, yeah, actually, um, up the money, <laughs> up it. As soon as I saw that story leak out, uh, like again in the last week or so, or, um, I was just, I was like, you mean How? from this show? Mark, no, no, Mark Stein. Stein. Oh yeah, yeah. But I just mean like, I mean like when it was floating around, I was just, I just, yeah. I found it so weird Sign. that it was out again. Because, like, if you make that trade, you, you just assume that you're going to lock him up. You've traded yeah. a first-round pick for him. you got to know that, that, that you're going to lock him up. And that he be thrilled to be here. Yeah. That he would just be doing cartwheels. I just assumed that was done. And then it was, these were the two reports. One was that he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild, yeah. so he was calling shots. Yeah. And then two is that he wanted over $20, 20 million. Over the $20 million. You went, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, <laughs> would have been a lot better if Toronto had just not traded for Thad Young and kept that pick and had Walker Kessler on a rookie contract mm. and their first round pick next year. That's just my thing. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say. Yeah. I, I, I still don't understand them trading the first round pick. Again, everyone's so excited about Grady Dick right now. Yeah. Right? Like Everyone's thrilled. The vibes are flying high. Yeah. TikTok's it's a flying new high. Raptors player. And guess what? This is the way that this organization needs to build is through the draft and accumulation of good players. It's part of the reason why they're reluctant to trade OG and Siakam is that they have real players that they drafted and developed here. Yeah. That's why they hired Darko. Had a whole, had a hand yeah. in player development. All right. We'll see. But yeah, I, something's got to give here. They re-signed Fred. Uh, that's what I'm taking away from this, mm. that they'd like for Siakam to be the guy that moved, but the suitors are going to start to it's tough because the two places that seemingly are interested in him, Portland, Atlanta, they're not exactly, don't worry, he's going to absolutely re-sign here, destinations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, whew, not easy. <laughs> Maybe Sacramento, though. But Sacramento's a destination for Siakam. Yeah, when mm-hmm. Jake's talking about different places that could be in play and get aggressive mm-hmm. using their cap space over the next little while. Maybe they're a place that just goes, dude, we're still in California. Yeah. And we've got a competitive team. And we'll pay you. Mm-hmm. Come play with DeMontis Sabonis, who's going to feed you the rock all the time. Yeah. And De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, come play pick and pop with De'Aaron Fox. We can be a contender right away. Maybe. Uh, I got to tinker with that one in the trade machine. Anyways, <laughs> let's take a quick break. Let's come back. I'm livid with the <laughs> Texans. The Texas Rangers. That was a deplorable performance yesterday. They went up one nothing, and I was like, here we go, here we go, easiest bet of the year. And then Andrew Heaney. I'm so glad the Jays didn't sign you. Oh, my God. Have more conversations, you and your wife, about almost Toronto. Never we're going to Toronto because it's kind of a bum. <laughs> he got lit up by a bunch of Detroit Tigers who I went, I've never heard of this guy before. 
Oh, who's this hitting their first home run of the year against you, Andrew Heaney? Andrew Heaney. <laughs> Cost me money. Disgusting. So we're going to try to do better with the Botano best bet next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, so I'm going to the Jays game tonight. So obviously, I'm going my boy, Chris Abbott, who mm. is with Botano. So it's Botano night at the ballpark. So there's going to be plenty of bets. So I'll probably tweet out or post later what the full card ends up being. I I, don't even, I almost jinxed it. I almost jinxed everything because I was, no, no, not you. Oh, sorry. This isn't your fault. Finally, Joe. <laughs> okay, Look I at, know. see how beaten Joe is today. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so beaten so by the, yeah, sorry, every Joe. Tuesday Joe just put his nightmare. hands up like, please don't hit me anymore. We've got him on his heels. Dude, every yeah, Tuesday sorry, is a nightmare. That's <laughs> brutal. Oh, we won last Tuesday. That's true. We did. It, wasn't, we did. it was not related to that. I was just going to speak about certain things in terms of bets that shall not be spoken <laughs> as to avoid any curses. I got I know I burned sage <laughs> yeah. before I have to go down to the ballpark tonight. Space. So we still don't have Gosman props up yet, but I am curious to take a peek at those when they do come out. Uh, I think that there's at least a little bit of value on. I'm, I'm going to be betting the Blue Jays money line tonight. Probably not the run line. I don't have that much faith in them. Uh, but I'll probably end up taking that if it ends up being Gosman. It's minus 150, which is right now kind of where it's sitting on Batano. So, yeah, by the way, this is Botano Best Bets, all right? Botano, the 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year, the only sports book I use. And, yeah, if you're heading down and you want to place a little wager tonight, just hit me up. Hit me up if you want to play on Botano. I'm telling you, it's an amazing book. It's an excellent book. There's everything that you need right here. Um, yeah, I like I said, the cleanest, best sports book that I've ever used. Okay, so I'm doing something that I really don't want to do, but I – have to do. Oh no. Yeah. Going back to Rangers minus one and a half. <laughs> it's the same logic, okay? No. no, here's here's why. The Rangers are throwing another lefty out there. <laughs> and t- t- Detroit yesterday, that was like the first game of the year that they mashed a lefty. Okay, so I'm willing to take the punishment and be embarrassed if this loses again. But I cannot believe you remember when the Jays lost to Oakland last week? What did yeah. what did old JD do? He he didn't even bet on that first game, but I went, ah, they're not losing two in a row to this. And they stacked the bet builder because they were going to hammer them the very next day. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen here. I love Texas. I, the Rangers are a much better team. Ride the Rangers, not two in a row. Minus one and a half on Botano <laughs> Sportsbook. Let's head over to the podcast portion of the show and uh, do a little bit more there. All right, welcome to the podcast portion of the show. Subscribe and review, leave five stars. And yeah, hit me up anytime if you are a podcast listener. I got a decent amount of the poster hits yesterday, which oh, was nice. nice. Yeah, oh, it was nice. good. What got some people sharing some some good posters. I appreciated that. But I the most important thing is I actually thought about lies. Because you guys asked me about uh, lies. Oh, right, I've right, been right, right. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. And I am now remembering <laughs> when there used to be a time in Simon and I's lives, Joe, where not everyone carried a computer in their pocket. They just carried a flip phone that had, you know, maybe to take grainy pictures. Yeah, I'm appalled. And was frustrating <laughs> to text with. And during that time, you could lie to ladies about who you were and what you did. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Goodness. It hit me the second I left the studio and I got on. I went, oh, my God. 
Because, yeah, I don't have a lot of embarrassing getting caught in lie stories. I just don't. True. But I did remember a time where, yeah, when I was in university, and it's hilarious to look at pictures of me in university that I would try to float some of these things out. You didn't want to just be some young dork from university. You want to be somebody else, right? Somebody so hot. I, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, every once in a while you'd take a, a shot and be somebody else and wear the hat. You know what? I feel bad for you guys that you don't ever get to do that. You don't ever get to be, pretend to be somebody else. Yeah, no, we don't no. really have that. You can't. We were doing catfishing, but in your face. Yeah. <laughs> it was a unique new form of catfishing. Yeah, exactly. Catfishing in your face. No, it was. It was like, I am a professional who has a job and a house. People will go, why are you bringing me back to a dorm? Let's go to your house. <laughs> I'm having renovations yeah. done. I'm I'm redoing my kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm redoing my kitchen. So, yeah, I remember there were a few times where, you know, you try to be talking to a lady, talk yourself up. I may have once or twice said while I was an undergrad student to better looking women than I should have ever been talking to that, you know, I was a lawyer yeah. or that I was from uh, a different country. Uh, I, was, uh, nice. I, was, I was about to ask, Good like, what, what was the popular job that you would pick when you Yeah, were... lawyer. Lawyer. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, just uh, finishing what, what up law school. Lawyer? No, I was finishing up law school. Oh, it's criminal defense attorney. Of okay. course. Exactly. Okay. I was, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say yeah, that. Yeah, you patent. No, you think, I was a patent uh, yeah. lawyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> no. I was gearing up for a very serious career. I was a somebody. I you wasn't, you know, taking an undergrad in law <laughs> and skipping a lot of classes to try to run a fledgling party promotions business. Certainly not of course that. Not. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, not that at all. I was a serious person. No, but there was definitely, I would say, some of the cringiest stuff in my entire life was trying to convince girls that you were from a different country. And I tried yeah. that a couple of times. Ooh, that's tough. And that was, looking back on that, not great. Not definitely great. got caught lying doing that a couple of times. See, I had done that as well. Girls. And the yeah. thing is, is like, there's a lot of questions that can be asked that no, you should when you're have drunk, an answer to. No, 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 that's the thing. When you're drunk, you can usually, the drunk confidence, you think you're doing great. Yeah. You're like, I'm <laughs> nailing this. Nobody knows. They all knew. And then all of a sudden you end up in a McDonald's where the lights are on and their people are sobering up at 3 a.m., and some other bro that's trying to hone in on your situation is like, you're not from there. <laughs> and it sucks. You're not from there. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Uh, yeah. End of discussion. Kind of limp <laughs> out of there. Let's just say this. I never closed the deal using a <laughs> fake accent or story about being somebody else. Never worked out. Uh, actually, that's not true. One time, kind of. One time, kind of. Yeah. One time, kind of. Not uh, with the accent, thank God. Right. The accent thing. <laughs> the accent thing actually was, I used to be a tour guide when I was in grade 12. Oh, nice. I worked on the SS Klondike, which is a national historic site. So you'd give uh, uh, people tours of uh, this old paddle wheeler, right? Mm -hmm. It's uh, land docked or dry docked. Right. It's not on the river. I'm not there doing like a whole thing wearing a bow tie, right? From about the Yukon. Oh, I wish I could have seen that. No, no, yeah. no, it was anyways, but we would get bored and everybody was just like having a, we were having a good time. Right. It was a lot of young people working this job. It was a great job too. It paid well. You know, you had good hours. It was a pretty easy job. You did a tour and then you got a break for a little while after the tour. Maybe you run the till. Maybe you're just in the office screwing around until the next tour starts up. A lot of tourism in the Yukon. Mm-hmm. 
But you get bored with doing the same tour over and over again. Yeah. So you start to throw things in. You start to do dares. And oh. some of the dares would be accents. Oh, nice. And so that's where I would hone some of those accents <laughs> that I would try later unsuccessfully well, on. Which one did you get the, the most? No like, comment. Okay. No, no comment. comment. Okay. You're yep. a pretty good accent guy. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. T- yeah. Yeah. As a like two second joking around. Right. 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 Yeah. Not as a trying to drag it out over an entire tour. <laughs> entire tour. I mean. That you want to talk about getting caught in lies? That definitely has happened before. Mm. That had Oof. happened before. <laughs> definitely tried to do like Southern accent, Irish accent. You know, mix it up. And but the beauty of it is though, I did get away with it sometimes, and they would tip you more. They would go, "Oh, your story's uh, really? so great! Yeah, oh, wow. what a great story!" As an Irishman yeah. has moved to the Yukon, yeah, exactly. what a great story! Oh, and is now teaching us about yeah. the Yukon. <laughs> I had to leave my family. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it here on my own. Yeah, oh, my it was goodness. not. Yeah. Although when I do Ireland, I do a little bit more Lucky Charms than I yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. That, there that there was are a, little, a couple blue yeah. moons. And that was before Conor McGregor. Uh, you know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right, let's hit some what we missed. Well, I just wanted to get really quickly. Um, do you have any thoughts on Taylor Hall going to Chicago? Yeah, uh, that trade yesterday. Good for Chicago, man. Mm-hmm. Taylor Hall still produced a lot last year, five on five. And again, the Bruins were a wagon. Mm-hmm. But if I'm Chicago, this is the way that I want to build, which is, hey, go grab a team that's in a tough cap situation. Grab a talented player who's mm-hmm. not at the end of his career and put him around Connor Bedard right away. Don't just let him yeah. uh, struggle. A player who's not ridiculously expensive either. He's at $6 yeah. million dollars for the next two years. Yeah, no, it's yeah. fine. And if you're the Bruins, you hate losing Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. But of course, the Bruins end up clearing a bunch of cap space, yeah. Yeah. pivoting, and now look like they're front runners for Bertuzzi to re-sign him. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are like, "Oh, Taylor Hall, five on five points," and it's like, "All right, yeah, cry, cry, cry." <laughs> uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, you'd rather have yeah. at this point than yeah, yeah ta- like uh, than Taylor Hall, especially moving forward. So, uh, to me, the the biggest thing that I keep thinking here is, I get it, you're going to be patient with Trey Living and go, eh, "It's a new job, but kind of do something," you know. Tana, maybe mm-hmm. do something and make a trade. <laughs> Don't just sit around. You're going to need to also, you're going to have to shuffle something up here. Yeah. You, you can't. Yeah. You're going to have to make trades to address some of this roster. Like, I, I don't know how many guys they're going to be able to retain from free agency from their own group or how many they should even should. Mm. Like there's not, the more I think about it, there's the more guys I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much you want to, I, man, I love Nolachari. I crushed on him the entire time he yeah. was here. I don't know how much you want to pay him. Mm, like free true. agency, I don't know how much you want to pay him. And I well, like what position does he play? What position does he play with your newfound team? Yeah, that's true. Like Luke Shen, same thing. Love Luke Shen. Part of Luke's troops. How much do you want to pay Luke how Shen? How much do you yeah, want to pay him? For sure. How much do you want to pay Luke Shen? To how make how sure? much would you pay him? Not a lot. Like, like one not, five over. Ooh, yeah. Like, no. He's dude, look what happened with Mark Giordano this year. Yeah, it's true. These guys can look good and then they can age immediately. Yeah. And, yeah. and Luke Shen got to walk into a situation. We don't talk about this enough. Luke Shen walked into a scenario where he had his kid right away and he didn't have to play a bunch of games and he came in as a seventh mm. defenseman and uh, one game in, one game out, got to basically chill quite a bit before yeah. the playoffs. He missed eased how in. many games did Luke Shen end up playing last year? Let's take a look. Yeah, let's yeah, a quick peek. On Luke Shen's games played and when when they actually have him played, right? Yeah. Like, what did he play, Luke, 70 games? Luke Shen. 70, last 70 season. 70-something games? Or low 70s? 70. Yeah, okay, so there 55 you go. with Vancouver, 15 with Toronto. Yeah, but also lower leverage, lower minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was sheltered heading into the playoffs. Yeah. 
And that's what you want to do with a player like that versus Gio, who they leaned on and who was one of their most important players on the blue line the first couple of months. One who everyone was saying, like, oh, are they yeah. going to try to take the foot off the gas mm-hmm. a little bit with Gio? Like- right, but this is what I'm saying. If you're going to try to play Luke Shen with Morgan Riley for a bunch of the year, and I'm guessing that if they keep Lilligren, they would run Lilligren out there for a mm-hmm. pairing for a bunch and that they would split him up and they wouldn't be pushing Luke Shen, you know, 15 plus minutes a night. Yeah. But even still, it's just, it's a risky thing to be taking a guy who's my age. Yeah, his minutes last year, too. It's like 11, yeah. 13, 7, 13, 16, yeah. 12. And even in the playoffs, it, did, like it went up by a couple minutes every game. But, yeah, it's not It's not like he's playing 23, yeah, 24 minutes a night. turns 34 this year. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not ancient, but it's definitely like there's enough risk there for a capped-out team that and yeah. as a perfect fit, great guy, good with Riley Luke's in the troops. Playoffs, but, yes, I, <laughs> I'm saying – you can't do more than a two-year deal with Luke Shen. And I, yeah, I, I think that the number for me is probably lower than people would expect. Anyways, um, yeah, what else? What else are we doing? John Collins, trade machine darling, yeah. finally moved. Yeah. Okay, Thoughts so on that? Here's, the interesting, finally. <laughs> here's the interesting thing to me about the John Collins stuff. All of a sudden, Utah has a lot of players. Of guys, yeah. They drafted three first-round picks this year, okay? I know a lot of us went to sleep. At the end of the first round this year, because <laughs> it started to get boring. Yeah. But they took three guys in the first round. They took Taylor Hendricks, they took Keontae George, and they took Bryce Sensabaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's three guys. Now you had John Collins, that's four. Agbaji, that's five players. Jordan Clarkson, six. Taylor Horton Tucker, seven. Walker Kessler, eight. Lori Markin, nine. Kelly Olynyk, ten. Yeah. You know, Colin Sexton, 11. That's already, that's a heavy rotation. Yeah. All I'm saying here is it actually kind of feels like, like, okay. Gearing up or something? I'll say this. I sort of screwed up my question for Jake Fisher. I sort of messed it up. I said pressure because I cracked under the pressure of asking a good question. (laughs) But it was, who are you just keeping an eye on? Who, you know, feels like they're waiting in the wings to make a move? And that's why I brought up Sacramento. And he was like, yeah, they're not really under pressure. They made the playoffs. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm Joe in the newsroom. I know. Whenever we make fun of him. Oh, I, I know. I, I, get, it. I, I get, it. get it. It was jokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it feels like they've got the GM. They've still got picks. They've got all these guys. Mm-hmm. I, I just wonder what a team like Utah is up to now. And with the three first round picks and grabbing Jordan, or sorry, uh, John Collins. John yeah, Collins. I'm just, I have Jordan Clarkson's name right in front of me and <laughs> grabbing John Collins. All of a sudden their front court is pretty loaded with guys. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of forwards. It's a lot of forwards. A lot of forwards. So what you're saying a couple is centers. what's going on in Utah? Yeah, just it feels the like there's another shoe to drop. It just it, I don't know how everybody stays happy and how you're doing the proper player development with this many guys. But how, like, do you, how do you give everyone enough minutes? Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's like, a lot of guys. No, even, like I said, just think of the front court. John Collins is a front court player. Yeah. So you've got Kelly Olenek, Laurie Markkinen, Walker Kessler, and now John Collins... And your first round pick this year in the lottery are all forwards who, yeah, are competing with minutes. Five guys in your front court. <laughs> mm. that's, that's too many. <laughs> yeah, that's, too many that's too many. It is too many guys. Um, anyway, I would imagine if like I was doing favorites that they probably move somebody like Kelly Olenek, get a little younger, do sure. something like that. Because they're not moving Walker Kessler and they're not losing, moving Laurie Markkinen. Those mm-hmm. two. And then, yeah, they just drafted Hendricks in the first round. It's... And they just moved for Collins. Yeah. So those would be the four guys in. Even still, though, that's pretty competitive. I figure they're going to run some big lineups. They're going to run some wonky ones this year. Utah is going to be sneaky interesting. It's funny, though, with the Jazz. 
They've never had jerseys where it's easy to watch them. There's something about Utah I where you watch them and you go, ugh. Utah. Their current ones are so When the first like, Gradient Sunset one came I out, didn't like those back, I liked those ones back in the day. I, I liked those ones. Just I go- hated the, that team, though, because I was a big Sonics fan, and it oh, was yeah, Carl yeah. Malone and John Stockton, and I liked Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, and sure. I went, how dare yeah. you say these guys are better, even though they were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but just go back to the throwbacks. <laughs> they definitely were for a much longer time. The just Greg use the mountains throwback. on the jersey. It's yeah, all yeah. you have to do. You don't have to do this Although, weird vault. You know what's a good stuff? thing? Is yeah. that, you know, at the time... Peyton and Kemp were like the punks, right? And people were like, look at all the kids Sean Kemp has. Look at all that trash Gary Peyton talks. You got to want to be clean cut like, like Carl, Carl Malone, Malone. <laughs> and John Stockton, who now are like, oh, doing how that. the turntables. Yeah. Yeah. Top dog weirdos. <laughs> yeah. Carl Malone, those Top takes dog it. Like, Anytime the Jazz have like a, you know, a veteran night or whatever, mm-hmm. they got to be like, oh, we got to bring these guys back I know, again. Stuff. No, you just got to go horn a sec every yeah, exactly. time. Hey, Jeff A. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Ray. The only available. legend we yeah. have. Okay. Well, that's the other Jeff. thing, too. They had guys like, uh, they had other players leave there in acrimonious ways. Like Darren, Darren Williams, Williams, right? Yeah. Right now, Jerry Sloan, yeah, basically. Yeah, he fought with Jerry. Carlos Boozer left in bad terms, too, I'm no. pretty sure. No, it's Boozer it's a good guy. His high school. Good guy? Yeah, it's like spray painted on no, hair. I mean, he's he. It sucked. He actually was supposed to do an interview with me once, and I was all stoked to talk, tell him stories about his high school whooping the crap out of mine right after he left. Uh, anyway, yeah, was, and talk Alaska basketball and do all this stuff, and then he bailed last minute. I was like, Oh, hey, no. Alaska guys, <laughs> classic Alaska. No, guys. dude, Alaska and the Yukon is the most frustrating thing because they're to us the big dogs. Yeah. We go up there and we have to just battle, right? Like I still have a battle. There's a there's a city in Alaska called Skagway, which is a tiny little town, mm-hmm. but it's it's truly Friday Night Lights. Their team is even the Panthers, and they're blue and yellow, oh, like really? the Dillon wow. Panthers. Yes, a hundred percent. And their whole town comes out to their basketball games. And despite being this tiny little Alaskan town, they are nasty. Like every time you'd show up and my senior year, we finally beat Skagway one year. I had a huge game. It's my most cherished memory. And guess what? With Alaska, they're like, we don't even think about you at all. They're the Don <laughs> Draper. They're the Don Draper. We're nothing to them. Like I've joked about this with different guys before. Um, and Alaska is just like, who are you? The Yukon? No, that's not, that's not what we care about. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a tough position to be in. Anyways, what was the point of this? Nothing. We're all over the place. Anyway, keep going. Uh, what what's next? Uh, really quickly, Steve Kerr. Did you see this? He like met the the Warriors yeah. draft picks and gave the weirdest handshake I've ever seen. You go. He was going on like the the mm-hmm. x axis side to side side to side handshake. What like I was thinking I would be so weirded out if that was me in a handshake, and which got me thinking like, do you got any handshake pet peeves? It's a power like, move, Simon. Yeah. Here's the thing, Simon. Uh, you didn't play. Uh, over a decade in the NBA, like Steve Kerr, you haven't been around basketball now for how many years? Steve Kerr now, probably 40 years, 50 years in basketball. He's been doing handshakes forever. You are tall, awkward white guy. The first (laughs) time a guy comes up, that's why you're just afraid of that moment happening because (laughs) you are going to look painfully uncool doing that. Same. Just so you know, I'm yeah, not okay. saying I'm better than you. Okay. I'm just saying that you'll stand out more doing it than I will. Because <laughs> I'm a six foot four yeah. ginger. Uh, uh, yeah. See what I did there? Simon was six six this morning. Fess- he he wanted to say it. Up. He no, wanted no, he to did. say six six. Fessing up. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll murder you in cold blood. Six four. I had to lie and say I was short like six four. 
Um, I don't have handshake pet peeves per se. Uh, I'm just not the only thing I ever think of with handshakes like that is I can't believe people are that creative. I had some handshakes when I was in high school with a couple of like my best friends, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would, I still remember actually now that we're talking about this, practicing the, the Fresh Prince one with people, oh. and then also like the up top and then the down low behind the right away. Like as you're walking back. away from each yeah, other, yeah, you yeah. got to practice that one. Um, but and then yeah, lame doobie ones where you'd be like, and then we do a doobie, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> Spicy, <laughs> so that people know we smoke marijuana. Ooh, yeah, in cigarette form. How about that, authority figures? Pot really isn't badass anymore, eh? Kind of no. ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was like really cool, and now it's everywhere. And I'm kind of like, Ugh, don't smoke this much. Now I'm the old who's like, hey, you've crossed. Do the that other somewhere side. private. Go to a dangerous trailer park to buy some crappy version of it in the middle of the night. Like, uh, you should. <laughs> oh, Meet that guy behind the houses in that alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't, not quite sure his name and you're not sure this is oregano. Someone yeah. older than you. <laughs> Could be oregano. And drive wherever they decide that you're going. <laughs> totally safe. Walk into these stores now, like, handed an iPad. Yeah, it's an Apple store every time. Here you go. Can iPad. I see your ID? <laughs> It's actually, it's actually so wallets. funny how that's crossed. Like, weed stores are now like Apple stores. Oh, you get like an iPad and pick your flavor. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, so we have a sequel to the 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 Prince Harry and Meghan Markle thing. Remember, uh, we, remember last week we talked about their their Netflix deal, hundred yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred plus million dollars. <laughs> well, now they still have sixty six million Canadian on the table, uh, and they're not producing any new good ideas. They've only got half of their contract, and it's just at a stalemate. So I'm asking, if you had 66 million wow, Canadian on the table, who yeah. have just tried to max out their sob story, don't have any ideas outside of sob story. You mean these two aren't creative <laughs> geniuses? Oh my That's god! That's the whole report. Again, imagine reading that book, yeah. that guy's book. Imagine going into a bookstore. The type of person who was like, "The Prince Harry book is out today." I've got to get down to the bookstore so I can get the book written by Prince Harry. Will be so interesting, full of uncut tales mm -hmm. from this guy. No, I'm done with this. Like, it's easy. It's the number one layup. They're the. Are they? Are, they're the most, like, non political wise, right? Because there's True. people who are polarizing political yes. figures, right? Yeah. Who people dunk on, right? And who people just get triggered about, like, you know. The safest people to dunk on non-political are these two, right? Yeah, they're Ooh, certainly uh, up on the list. I mean, it's pretty easy. It's certainly very high. Um, pretty easy to dunk on, like, Kim Kardashian and stuff like that. No, but Kim Kardashian is successful, cool, and... I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying, back on that one. Yeah, a lot no, no, like no, I'm just saying, though, the Kardashians are, like, that's a... Easy yeah, target for but some people. it's not... That's not Our even the same ballpark. Sure, that's not even the same other people, ballpark, they're, they're yeah. Dude, okay, let's put it this way. Kim Kardashian shows up an event... And people are like, holy crap, one of the most famous people on earth is here. Meghan Markle shows up in an event. People are like, oh, my God, <laughs> she's here. We have to pretend. Oh, hello, the Duchess or whatever, because you don't know. Anyway, yeah, I hate these two, and I think everybody else does. What's next? I was about to ask if you had 66 million on the table. Like, what, what show would you make? Like, do you have any? Like, <laughs> You're asking me just to pitch to you? Uh on if the, you had sixty-six million dollars, I had sixty-six million dollars. I wouldn't be doing a show. Yeah, that's right. Right. out of here. Yeah. That's if very, you're asking me what I would do if yeah. I had to do a show mm -hmm. to get sixty-six million dollars, 
I would have to do something from life experience that I could think of. Right. So I would either do like some kind of a comedy show about university and try to spin stories in there. And they'd be like, yeah, way funnier people than you have tried to do this. <laughs> you know that. Uh, yeah, uh, this is your stories are trash compared to what we get through here. Right. From professional writers. Um, so, yeah, I would try to do something like that or something mm-hmm. about like coming outside of university and being broke. And now I'm just like, that's workaholics also better than what you did. Like, <laughs> so yeah, something, but it would be something along those lines or, nice. you know, feeling the pressures of turning 30 years old, something along those lines. Like you can't do a show around a radio sports guy. That's just not a show. It's called Brockmeyer. No, he's a, Oh, he's a baseball, 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 baseball. announcer. Oh, yeah, good no. show though. Yeah. It was always so funny. I used to work for a moving company for a little while and they were like, we should have a show about us. I was like, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> I feel like every, every Labor occupation job. feels like every, time yeah. at Costco too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's it. But so they made Superstore and that's actually a good show. So I'll... yeah, but I think our, our show would be boring. Like at yeah. work here, people are like, so we watching TV again. You're like, yeah, I'm watching TV. I'm watching the TV. I'm watching the Blue Jays. <laughs> and I think about stuff. 30 second consecutive <laughs> I night. I take the stuff I see in my head brain put it down in the laptop and then the other guys see what I'm saying. And then we do the, we talking. do the thing. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what's next? Jets are uh, going to be the team on mm. hard knocks this year. JD, is that making more or less likely to watch it? I did I like add. the lion season last year. I'm kind of all in on seeing the jets this year. Uh, I don't want more of Aaron Rodgers. Really? Do you, you really feel as though there's more Aaron Rodgers to unearth? Oh, like man, getting up just, have you seen these quotes coming from the psychedelic conference he's been at? That's, like that, I can no, absolutely I, get down with this. Honestly, I'd rather, you know what? <laughs> I'd rather hang out with Prince Harry and read his book than <laughs> hear more about Aaron Rodgers. Are you, too, are you on the pulse of the, uh, the I'd psychedelic have, I'd conference? Have Harry, I'd rather have Harry be like, and then my brother, he said, he was me. He said, Oh, uh, well, he's Australian. Now. <laughs> 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 so we ventured a little, we ventured a little Aussie. That's a, yeah. Because I watched a Australian show over this week. It's actually not bad. It's on Amazon. It's called Lockhart. It's oh, not bad. No, not maybe that. No, it's not Lockhart. It's something else. Anyway, now what it's called. Maybe it is Lockhart. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's I'm, like I'm an like Australian. I'm a sucker for a murder mystery. Like anything yeah, where they're yeah. like, hey, there's a murder mystery. I'm like, I'll try this. I don't care. And this one's all right. This one was pretty decent so far. It's like a week to week one, though. So I hate that because I got to wait. Want to know who did it? No. <laughs> Not a month from now. That's too far away. So you have no thoughts on, like, you just don't want to see more Aaron Rodgers. That's no, the, I think that the they saw us Gardner would clearly be the breakout star of this yeah, thing. It'd be cool to sure. watch him. Uh, yeah, no, I got nothing on this. I, I just don't, I don't want to see Rodgers do more lame Rodgers stuff and make it about him and have to have hard knocks, basically design all these things. And yeah, hey, Rodgers coming off of a season. He thought he'd be the great. I was like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm kind of out on hard knocks. I loved yeah. it. I, I just, every year lately, it feels like this is now three years in a row. It used to be a show that I watched every single time religiously. Mm-hmm. It just feels like the last couple of seasons of it. It's not as super accessible either in Canada. It's not mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, it's a big part harder. Yeah. yeah. That's we a get it a day later and we also get the, cause it's such a weird thing. The, it's like, can we just get it at the time it and comes no, out? No team wants to do it anymore. Like every team this year was like, declining yeah, but they, left but they and still, right but and... like to Austin's point, I thought that the lions, at least the clips that I saw from it mm-hmm. and yeah, they were quality. There was well, some they good had stuff a couple good yeah. person out like Dan yeah, Campbell and for. Jamal Williams or, but that's yeah, for sure. They made you root for the lions this year. I don't think that you're going to end up rooting for the jets and that kind of sucks 
that the Jets are the team that you don't really want to root for because Rodgers, because Jets have had nothing. They yeah, had yeah. a couple of years where the Rex Ryan teams looked okay. They were better than okay. They were really threatening for Super Bowls. Bart Scott can't wait. Yeah, but outside of that, it's been a tough slog for Jets fans. Anyways, what's next? Uh, Steph Curry documentary okay. coming out. Yeah, and zero interest in the, seeing this. But I will say, like, my thought on this is, like, did you watch the Shaq one? No. Okay, the Shaq one is really good. But you know why? Because I love Shaq. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think if you're a big mega fan of these guys, getting mm. to see the documentary around them is cool. This just All this makes me think of is how much more content is going into the micro audiences rather than... Oh, yeah. Because, you know, like the last dance with Michael Jordan, that's for everybody. Mm-hmm. I wonder how LeBron's going to end up playing his because, again, he's got he's had camera crews following around for years and years, and eventually he's going to release that, and his is going to be fascinating. It's going to be really cool. Unfortunately, it will be just like The Last Dance where it's produced by him, but whatever. He's, yeah, whatever. He'll get to tell <laughs> his story, and there won't be a lot of pushback, and that's fine. But if I'm him, I don't want to release it in this era of like everyone getting a sports doc and it's showing up on Netflix and being gone in three days. Yeah. Mm, but it's just this weird point where like everybody's getting one. And yeah, I but that's it. Is that, but that's what I mean about the micro audiences. Yeah. That's the, if you, there's enough people who love Steph Curry who are going to want to watch this for you and I who work in sports, we're oversaturated with Steph Curry stuff for the last, you know, decade and a half. We're going, yeah, we don't care. Like we remember Davidson. You know, we yeah, watch yeah. sports. We we track it. We remember his career. We know about uh, the Timberwolves passing on him twice. It's not going to be a shocking thing for us to watch in the documentary. Um, we like, yeah, what you really want to follow? We've seen him in the match. Like we followed him around the golf course yeah, before. Yeah. We we he's got shows that he's been on with his wife. Like what's he, that mini putt show that he has? Oh, I have no idea. I didn't know that. I like had a mini putt yeah, show. No, I didn't know that. He's a big golfer, though. Um, anyway, yeah, that's it. Is I'll, I'll, my point is, is that I don't think this is for us. I think that this is for the hardcore fan. Mm. Oh yeah, which of which there are tons. Yeah, I mean the kids love them. Yeah, holy moly is the oh, uh, is holy. the golf show. I hate that. So that, next, uh, so, <laughs> well, I was going to ask like, like, is there any athlete right now that you would want to watch a documentary? Like, what, like what's what would be your current top pick? athlete? Yeah, current athlete that's going to retire eventually. What's your top pick for wanting to watch a documentary? Sandy Sosa lunch. Oh, yeah, I I would probably pick. <laughs> eventually, Sandus Lynch is a great one. Thank you. <laughs> eventually, I would probably like. I do want to see the LeBron one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's LeBron. Yeah, I. But I mean, like aside from LeBron, like 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 personal favorites of yours. Yeah, I have personal favorite athletes, but like I, yeah, I don't want to watch the Jimmy Butler doc. Like sad. Yeah, okay, great. I'm watching sad movie about Jimmy Butler's life and then him overcoming it. Like a true. lot of these guys, a lot of their story is told. And the the cool thing about LeBron is that his career has now spanned multiple decades. Yeah. So yeah. there's just so much to work with there. So that's the kind of player that I'm picking is a guy. It's, it's has nothing to do with who's my favorite athlete because yeah, right. those guys, I just like to watch play sports. Mm-hmm. What I want is someone who's had compelling ups and downs and massive stages. And so no, he would definitely be one for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. I, I can't even think of anybody that would even compare for yeah. caring even close to LeBron James. Like, I don't care about a Messi or Ronaldo doc. Maybe you do. Oh, yeah, quickly. Would. Now let's flip that. Because, yeah, of course, lots of people would. I'm just saying, yeah, uh, not not as interesting to me as LeBron's story. Not everyone <laughs> needs their story told is the big point. Yeah. Um, not everybody needs it. 
True. Yes. Austin, what were you going to say? Who's your guy? No, I want to see, uh, and this is this is more of a joke, but Andrea Bargnani documentary. What happened to that guy, man? He doesn't even, he doesn't associate with the NBA anymore. He was the first overall pick. So much I think potential. that this is what you'd call a Google search, not a documentary. Primo Pesce. You don't think it would be interesting to see Andrea? No. Fair enough. JD is out. <laughs> Legitimately, you're, if we're, we're doing a lot of pitches here today. No, <laughs> no one's green lighting that studio. Uh, no one, no one's sponsoring that, that one. Um, okay. I, I would sponsor it. Uh, before we go, Jobo soccer corner time. What's up? Lots of soccer stuff happened. There so when I went to stuff. TFC a couple of weeks ago, Bradley got, Oh, he's bad. And the people hated him. <laughs> yeah. And they were talking about how he's a moron with the tactics. They were going in. On Bradley, yeah, he gets canned yesterday. So what's the skinny on the T from the TFC fans? It was just from all reports, it was an incredibly toxic environment. He was at odds with a lot of the players. He had like By his the way, own we're talking camps. About, just so everybody knows, Bob right. Bradley, not Michael Bradley. Yeah, yeah. so Michael Bradley, his son, who was yeah, on the yeah, team, yeah. currently injured. But yeah, it, it was like Bob Bradley. He was named the the manager, like his. To explain it, it's like the the relationships between like the players and Bob Bradley, like like the two different tiers, was really really toxic. The players did not feel comfortable. They didn't feel comfortable playing. Bernadeschi was calling him out after games, mm-hmm. and then Bob Bradley saying like, "Oh, I'm suspending you for a game. You're out of line." So it was just clearly a time. I'm not going to go into like all like the tactics because I'm going to bore people. <laughs> they don't they don't want to <laughs> hear about that. But essentially, he was not the right guy for the team. He's not the right guy to manage the talent that they have, mm-hmm. and it was time for a change. Now they're going into a summer transfer window without a sporting director, which is going to be super interesting because they're in last place. Mm-hmm. They have the highest payroll in the MLS. Yeah. And it seems like they have no direction. It's just a mess. But it is good that they've let him go. And now they're going to be pursuing someone else, uh, hopefully someone before the transfer window so they can get some changes in there and help Insignia and Bernadeschi. But yeah, from our reports, that's... That's the lowdown. It seems, from what it seems like a miss too. And yeah, Berna, I know has not been good as of late. Yeah. He has one assist in his last 12 games. Yeah. Whew. Not, not good. Should have let that is not good for your second highest player. As, and it was Bradley that told him he couldn't vape, right? It was let him vape. Bradley. All right. He's good enough. I, it's, <laughs> it's funny, man. You go out to bars now and the user just vaping in bars. They don't give a crap. Yeah. They're just in there and they're like, yeah, it's back. And I'm now I'm pissed as someone who likes a dart. Who's True. like, Hey, this isn't fair. I go outside. This I have the respect right. to go this outside. Right. This isn't right. Yeah. This is it's disgusting. It's honestly yeah. disgusting, and it needs to be addressed at a higher level than this podcast. I totally agree yeah. with you, JD. <laughs> what do you mean this podcast is the highest no, level there I'm, is? I'm for no, more in government, Joe, less, we need though. a table a bill where people vaping inside go to jail. No, no, Because no, it's, no. it's yeah. wrong. You can discriminate against smokers. No, you no, can't no, discriminate I, against I'm vapors. The other way. I'm the other wrong. way. I'm the other way. I'm the other way. More freedom. There should be bars where you're just allowed to do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> you know, in, in Japan, you can yeah. smoke in bars, but you can't smoke on the street. It's such you a... You know what, though? Here's the thing. That's stupid, but also fair. I just, I can't, I, I don't like telling businesses what they have to do. And yeah, people are always like, but what about the servers that work there? It's like, they don't have to work there. They can work at a non yeah, yeah. bar. 100%. There's a lot of bars. There's a lot of restaurants. Uh, and you know what yeah. I'm more likely to tip? After my third dart. Yes, Austin. I, here's the thing, though. If you want to smoke inside, you're kind of greasy. Like, I would not want to smoke See, inside I a never, bar. Did you grow up with people smoking up, smoking in the bars? Because I never, my whole kind life of, smoking had been banned I, from I inside was not, restaurants. I was not legal age. What I do think is actually really stupid and lame 
is that you can't smoke on a patio Patios. outside. Yes. Mm. It's like, are you kidding me? Shout so what, the person takes one step off the patio onto the sidewalk and the smoke is like still right there too, but now <laughs> it's legal. It's just stupid, man. Yeah. And and like, yeah, if you're sitting outside, I, I'm a big believer of just, you're outdoors, cigs are in, you know? like They're in play. Yeah, there's no... You're not the, the secondhand smoke thing is not happening when you're outside. Like that's just not it. You're breathing in lots of crappy stuff. They're just the amount of it that you're getting is so minuscule. It's not affecting you. Well, it's not like the environment changes much when you're like sitting like on the patio and then like two feet over to the right when you're on yeah, the sidewalk. And, and just, like it makes no difference. Yeah. I, I just think like, you know, why this is so stupid. Why? <laughs> why? What, what is the reason? So someone is a little bit, they're like, Oh, I don't like the smell. It's like, okay, well you're at a bar, you're outside drinking. There's lots of stuff that's going to be happening that maybe yeah. you don't like with, uh, with all this said that we do not condone smoking on this podcast. Smoking is bad for you and you should not start it. Sure. Like, Oh, Austin. <laughs> Austin. Did you. Did, did you have any TFC thoughts from what you've been reading and stuff like that? Or no, I just, I feel like, listen, it's a two things can be true. I think that he's kind of a bum as a coach, but it's interesting because when they first brought him in here, I do remember like, this is, these are casual takes. All right. This is TFC casual time. Now, when they brought him in here, people were pretty excited about it. This was supposed to be a pretty big name that mm-hmm. they were bringing into the organization. And yeah, I can relate to Michael Bradley because for a couple of years, my dad was a vice principal of the biggest high school in the Yukon and mm. where all the bad kids went, the downtown one. And, uh, yeah, they, he had to suspend kids and people hated his guts and I'd show up at parties sometimes and some dude would be like, I hate your dad. And I would go, all right, this sucks. Oh no. So it's Michael Bradley. I get it. He's around and people are like, boo, your dad, we hate him. And you're like, ah, what am I supposed to do here? Can't turn on the fans, a.k.a. the cool kids. I don't want to just stab my father in his back here. <laughs> no, that's true. But he'll be fine. Yeah. I, I will <laughs> yeah. say, just to add, like when, when you were mentioning Bob know. Bradley, he was the first American manager to manage in the Premier League, which yeah. is why he had that big smoke around him. Yeah, but this LAFC. is what I don't understand about how he's such a tactical moron. Like the game has just passed him by because everybody hates him for the tactics. They're just I, like, I, I, I think he got hired at Swansea because American owners came in and they yes. wanted to hire an American Here coach and he lasted he, 12 yes. games. Like, Sometimes come on, Joe. That that but that is, the, is the soccer guy. that You're kind of the beach air soccer he's a, guy. He's a cash. No, but that's that's where all the smoke came from. Is that He had that title with him and he was yeah. at LAFC and they did well and then yeah yeah LAFC came over to TFC Mackey well Carlos Vela was very good uh, he was the reason why they won I mean came from Juventus scored like what 30 goals uh, like Mackie you know players win championships JD not yeah. coaches yeah, right, right, oh yeah. Mackey yeah. ending hey, but this, on a heater no, but, that's, but this is what I'm kind of saying about it where I'm like it feels like more they missed on their international signings this year more than anything and that their team is just not very well constructed and yeah, I mean, just the a team lot of itself. things can be true. There's yeah, a lot the, the of team is not very good, right? They spent money on the goal on the keeper and he's halfway decent, but there's no team in front of them. And yeah, S- spent he, a lot of money on attack and they have like the second lowest goal scored in the MLS. It's just, there's a, there's messes all over it. the place. There's holes all that's over the it. place. Bob Bradley was not the dude to come in and fix that. Thank you for that. Bernadeschi stat though, because all the boys, all the TFC boys I know are always like, burn is the man, burn is the man. I can't wait to just casually drop that on them. Being like, <laughs> I'm going to drop atom bombs in group chats today being like, do you yeah. know Bernadeschi only has one or so? This is the last it, 11 games. It, 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 There's nothing numbers. soccer guys hate more than the casual just dropping in and giving an opinion. <laughs> like, hey, uh, oh, but you guys, well, I don't think Bernadeschi's doing very well. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his numbers yeah. are not looking too yeah, hot this geez, year. guys, you guys sure seem to love Bernadeschi for a guy with one assist in his last 11 games. Anyway, let's wrap this sucker up. I got to run. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Share it. Do all those things. All right. Reach out. It's 13 DMs games now, follow. by the way. 
One in 13? One in 13 games. Joe, you got to be better as my stats guy. I almost <laughs> dropped one in 11 to people. As one you in said 13. one in 11. I said one in 12. Uh, well, and I then, mean, they play, then they played <laughs> New way. England on the weekend. Joe, now do you anything were else wrong, again. and then you were doubling yeah. down by <laughs> trying to expose me for being wrong from your no, bad I'm, work. I'm just clarifying the stat. Yeah, okay. Tough day for Joe. Neil, we'll do better tomorrow, what do you buddy? think about that? That's pretty tough, eh? Like Neil just came in the studio and he sees that. Yeah, exactly. You're out, Joe. <laughs> Go do work. The meaningful work. Go learn something from Neil. All right. There's no show tomorrow. There's no show. We're off. I should have said that earlier. But yeah, I'm off tomorrow. And then we're back on Thursday. James Myrtle.